Hi, it's Harry here. Thanks for joining us for the Spike podcast. The question we're getting asked a lot at the moment is why are we doing this? The main reason we're doing this is to help you identify what your spike is. Your spike is the thing that makes you unique and only you possess that helps you stand out in a crowded marketplace. You may be wondering who I am. My name is Harry Porch. I'm the UK's youngest recruitment startup owner. So my day job is finding what people's spike is and helping them sell it in a crowded marketplace. So what's to come from the spike? You're going to hear from successful entrepreneurs about what their spike is and tips from them how to succeed in their field. Personally, I've been loving podcasts, but I feel something's missing. The spike is what's missing. The spike is your personal USP that can help you sell yourself better in business and in your personal life. Join me whilst we help identify our guest spike and more importantly, your spike. I hope you enjoy. Today, our guest is David Templer. And then chuck a couple of chicken breasts in. Once you've shredded that all up and you've got something that looks like this, season it and then give it a good help in a barbecue sauce. Otherwise known as Temps, Temptation or the Shirtless Chef. After a corporate career, Temps decided that this was not the life he wanted to live. He decided to jump out of the corporate life, go traveling and live his life to the max. Temps is one of the UK's leading influencers with just under half a million followers. He now shares recipes, funny videos, and he also shares live fitness sessions. We were really interested in having Temps come on as his spike, I feel, is going to add real value to everyone listening. He's someone that is so consistent, humble, whilst coming across as just an all-round great guy. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love you to hit subscribe, follow, and leave us a review below. Cheers for coming on, Sam. So, as a bit of a background for the listeners, can you just explain sort of briefly what it is that you do? Yeah, so whistle stop tour of what I do now and how I've got there. I went to university, got a degree in international business and marketing, and then got on a graduate program at Telefonica. So O2, as you know, in the UK. Did five or six years there, and then I was saving up to go traveling, and it seemed like that was the crescendo of everything. And when I came back, I was like, this can't be what life is. So I kind of looked at what I liked in my lifestyle and have gone about trying to monetize that. So I was a gymnast until 15 years old, literally training nine times a week doing that. Fitness has always been the backbone of everything that I do. So I sort of took my marketing backgrounds, my corporate knowledge and built that into the fitness industry. So the first thing I did to leave the fitness industry was build an online personal training platform. And without going too much into money, I was earning a decent salary at O2. And then I had to go to earning probably like a thousand pounds a month doing this online PT stuff. But it was the first time that I'd ever actually earned my own money doing my own thing. So when I set that up, when I had enough money just to break even, I guess, coming in, I left the corporate world, moved back home, lived in with my dad and put all my effort into building this online personal training business. Now, at the same time, I was working quite hard on Instagram, social media, TikTok, has been a fairly new thing for me. I've been on that for a couple of years now. But I think just putting all my energy into my online personal training platform, Instagram, social media, TikTok, YouTube, everything. I've sort of now, finally, after six or seven years, built a platform where I'm actually comfortable and monetizing what I do. But I guess most importantly, having fun. I'm not stuck at a desk job thinking, oh, this can't be it. I'm, I'm finally making money off the things I actually enjoy doing. Putting your arms above your head. Okay. If you're just joining on TikTok, you guys are deciding the workout today. Because we had a brief chat about TikTok and I was like looking, doing a bit of research. How does it actually feel to have more followers than the BBC? I like to think that I'm using my platforms to do 
fairly good stuff. I won't ever put anything out that I don't 100% believe in. Whereas you look at a news channel and the whole point of them is to broadcast what they think is relevant in the news. When you put that much pressure on somebody having more followers than a news channel, because I've built the majority of that following in lockdown, I haven't really seen the outside world and the impact that has had on my life. Like Marlene and I are in Dubai and somebody recognised me out there. And I think as we come out of lockdown, it's going to become a lot more apparent how big that following actually is. Was there a certain point where it all changed? Which I've got to ask what your initial reaction was when you saw Gordon Ramsay had duetted your video. Shirtless Chef Boy! Shirtless Chef Boy! Oh! Waitrose! Chuck your meatballs in! Oh my god. Once they brown, we're just going to turn the heat right down and crack on with the sauce. What? Turn on the heat! Oh my god. Now 40 grams of butter, then whisk in 40 grams of plain flour. All that flour. Say flour. Add two thirds of a cup of vegetable stock oh and two thirds of a cup of beef stock. Really? Because I remember seeing that pop up on mine and I was like, oh, like, what is this? And then only getting to know you, the two things kind of clicked together. That was actually you. Little inside scoop, that was all set up. So TikTok came to me and said, Gordon Ramsay's launching his TikTok channel and they're doing a hashtag called Ramsay Reacts. So they said, can you create some recipes for us and we'll put them to his team? His team absolutely loved them. And when you look at them, he's reacting badly to everybody's one. But mine was the second one that went out. So I just got absolutely slated by Gordon Ramsay. And I can remember being in the kitchen and it popped up as a notification. It was like, Gordon Ramsay's reacted to your video. And I was like, oh my God, what, what's about to happen? Keep staring that continuously. Man. Then you want two thirds of a cup of extra thick... Trust me, there's only one Joe Wicks. Three C's thick. What? Two teaspoons of soy sauce. No, stop it. Cook out the flour, you donut. Obviously. And stir it until it thickens. And then for about a week, 10 days after, it was in like OK Magazine, Daily Mail and stuff, and it was just going ding, ding, ticking over everything. I'd actually say that was actually probably detrimental to what I was doing. I was growing fairly significantly at the time. I saw a little influx off of it, but then even now still, people are tagging Gordon Ramsay in my content. And it's like, oh, Gordon Ramsay roasted you. And so it's, it's probably had more negative than good. But I mean, it's good to put your name in that same pool as him, isn't it? Yeah, well, well you mentioned negative then, because whenever I think of people that do a lot of social content and creation, there obviously is that negative side of it, isn't there? Where you've got people in the comments and stuff like that. And you're quite a positive guy. And that's what I really like about you. It's always quite smiley. Everything's really positive. But does that have a negative sort of toll on you when you sort of read some of those? Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to lie to myself at the start and say it didn't and try to ignore it, but it's impossible to ignore. When you're getting negativity on your videos every time, it's absolutely impossible to ignore. I think it's a weird one for me because Instagram, I've got a really engaged audience and I don't get hardly any negativity on there at all. And I've built up a really engaged community. But TikTok, the nature of the platform, it's a good thing and a bad thing. Anybody can see your content. You create a good bit of content and it goes on the full you page and it gets a bit seen by loads of people. I think for me, I try not to read it first thing in the morning again it's really difficult yeah. in the right way i think you should react to some of it because i think some people just say negative stuff without even thinking of the consequences of it and if you call, so like, like call people out on it they might have an understanding of the impact that it's having on people because i think a lot of people don't realize that these people with big followings actually read their content or comments and also my housemate's got a big following as well i see people commenting having conversations on his photos and it's just so detrimental and it's completely opposite to what you're trying to get out there. So I think by reacting to it, sometimes it's good, but there's some people that are just there to try and bring people down. So I think it's impossible to ignore it. It's just how you deal with it. Because I saw Eddie Hearn speak about it and he said, the thing is what he always has to remember is half these people aren't real. He was like, if these people saw you in the street as well, they're not saying these things. It's just whilst you're yeah. behind a, a phone screen or anything like that, anyone thinks they can kind of say those things and it won't have an effect on anyone. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. Like I instantly think anybody who's commenting is my age, 
like I just see them as another 30 year old person comment on it and then when you look back at it, the demographic of TikTok is very young and a lot of these kids say stuff just to get noticed so I'm like just ask a normal question ask me something and I'll reply to it you don't have to like spread that negativity on the page but I think it's stuff you're going to get anyway whether it's on a social media platform whether it's you slagging one of your mates off behind their back and them not finding out about it this stuff's out there anyway it's just that platform is more prevalent and it's going to become more apparent because people are saying it either to you or to somebody else about you you started on Instagram, didn't you, then moved across to TikTok. When you thought about moving across, did you have this idea of what you were going to do? Because we do a lot of work on LinkedIn, we post a lot of content out, and nine times out of ten, I'm sat there for an hour thinking, what am I going to put out? I can't think of anything. And you're consistent with it. You're posting daily. Do you have those kind of times where you have to put a brain something thing, or how does all the content sort of come to you? To give you a bit of context on how I got onto TikTok, I had, I think, not even 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I signed up to this app called Tribe and it basically looks for jobs for content creators. And I got offered 110 pounds to create three videos for TikTok. And I was like, it's 110 pounds. You know what I mean? It's better than nothing. My following wasn't massive at the time and they weren't asking me to do anything out of the ordinary. So it was just create fitness content, post it on my Instagram and they're going to post it on the TikTok channel as well. And I was like, what is, I didn't even know what TikTok was. Literally had no idea. Posted those three videos and then they featured them. So they went super viral. I think they've got like 40,000 views. And I'd never had that many views on anything in my life before. So I was like, wow, this is good. Posted the next one, I got like 80,000. And then I think about 10 or 15 videos in, I got a 1.5 million like in one day. And it was mad. And I was just like, the reach of this is an absolute joke. Now, to add a bit more context to that, I did a TV show at the back end of 2018 with the ITV. It was called The Big Audition. And basically, it was a behind-the-scenes look at the casting world. And I went for a job as a content creator TV presenter, and they sort of filmed the background to it. I was on there as, like, the jokey character, and they asked me to pour olive oil on myself and just, like, cook these stupid recipes, whatever. I called myself the shirtless chef on that program and it did, it took six months until it launched. So I was like, look, if anything's going to come off this program, let me film some content as the shirtless chef. And then as the program launches, I can piggyback that and sort of jump on the bandwagon of it. The TV show didn't do too well, but TikTok actually saw that shirtless chef stuff. And they said, look, we're trying to diversify our portfolio. Can you come on and do your food and fitness content? So I just started shouting shirtless chef boy, cooking my recipes and it went down really well. So I think luckily for me, I've always got that to fall back on. I know that works pretty well. So when people are stuck in a rut for content, and I've had loads of mates say, I just can't get any motivation. I've got no creativity over lockdown. I'm like, I eat every single day. As long as I'm cooking something different, which is keeping me happy anyway, because it's different, it's keeping the audience entertained. So it's again, looking back on why I quit the corporate world, I'm doing stuff that I like. And now I've got to a place where not only I'm creating content that I enjoy doing, but I've found a way to monetize it as well. So from that perspective, it's quite good. And they're always looking to diversify more so I'm getting the fitness stuff involved and getting the food stuff involved. And yeah, it's, it's all just working out at the moment. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who's letting me walk around like this? The tash is terrible. November boy. Yes, guys, what's going on? For the sake of this little mini series, I'm getting all entrepreneurial on you with the aim to motivate and inspire you guys to take your hobbies and try and make it into a business. See, I was so oblivious to some of this stuff about a couple of months back now where i did not think tiktok would be paying people to come on the app to start creating new content and then when i started I was in one of those like youtube black holes i like to call it and then came across the gordon yeah. ramsay stuff and i was like did he just jump on that app or did he obviously get paid to do it and now it's quite clear there's an incentive for him to actually jump on there because i was thinking right i remember when tiktok first came out it was kind of this like a lot of people my age anyway it's like moral high ground of no i'm not getting on tiktok that's for younger people and now i'm like 3 a.m i'll still be on tiktok scrolling through it 
I think what's interesting, though, is, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but Gordon Ramsay got paid nothing to do that initial campaign. But what he did get was over 10 million followers in the space of a month. So when you look at the, the power of monetizing an audience, it makes sense for me and it justifies the reason why I'm on it. If Gordon Ramsay's doing a free campaign for TikTok and he's not getting paid for it, then it says to me that everybody who's a content creator should be on that platform. If he's seen the benefit in it and he's getting paid nothing to do it, the positive benefits of having that following far outweigh not doing it. So for me, that just reassures me that I'm doing the right thing. I think it's worked massively for him, hasn't it? Because he was big. He was absolutely massive before. But now if you look on Instagram, it's just him and his daughter or even TikTok. Every what, 10 videos, I see his name pop up or people challenging him yeah. to reply similar how he did to yourself. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. Instagram's becoming a place where it's basically just one online shop. I think TikTok is a real place for creatives. So if you back yourself to create good content, engaging content, you've got something to say. I think that is where it's both good for the audience and for what you're doing because you're enjoying creating the content you're producing but also the consumers of that content are satisfied as well because it's far better than just seeing a half naked person on instagram who are doing it to get loads of likes so that's where i think there's a big transition in social media platforms and luckily i jumped on it early enough to start reaping the benefits from it i think eventually it is going to overtake instagram in my opinion that is anyway i think there's a lot of businesses now that are realizing obviously how amazing tiktok is i've seen some of your stuff like muscle food i'm guessing there's kind of a little sort of deal there with them but has there been any brands that you've worked with that you kind of taken a step back really and thought wow i'm actually collaborating with this brand on tiktok or any social media yeah and i mean for me even i pinched myself weekly last week i did nfl subway and under armor and i remember Two and a half years ago, well, at the start of what would it have been, 2018, I said to myself, this year, my if I could do one thing, it would be to work with Under Armour. And it didn't happen. But three years later, here I am. And I just did a campaign for them. Not only that, so they obviously sent me loads of clothes. I got paid for doing it. They put loads of spend behind the video. So the video that I did for them got like three and a half million views. And then that, because it was like a duet one. So I was the first person to create the content that other people duetted. And I was taking a step back thinking, yeah, that's absolutely mental. And you've got people who work with them as well. Like the second person was someone who's got a massive following from Love Island. And I think for me, I was looking at doing TV shows and doing things to try and build my audience that way. But now looking back on it, the way that I've done it more organically over six, seven years, it's far better than just getting that quick shot to fame and then getting work that way. I mean, obviously, I've just said that somebody from Love Island did the second duet, but they've got no credibility in what they're doing. Whereas where I've built it up in the fitness, food, content space, it's been far more beneficial. And it just goes to show that like, I didn't reach out for any of those brands. All three of those came to me through seeing content on TikTok. And it sounds really egotistical saying it, but I think this job, you don't get the instant feedback that you do with a regular job. If you do a crappy job, in an office, your boss will tell you with this, you put so much content out there. And I've done stuff that's got hardly any views at all. And some stuff comes back like in waves. And it's, it's just so hard to do it. And when you actually see that you're getting companies like that, looking to buy into your philosophy, it's amazing, really is good. There's a whole thing about sticking with the influencers as a whole, but I don't really see you in that kind of bracket as a typical influencer because as well, you don't seem to sell out with certain brands. Like I haven't seen you do a teeth whitening thing. I haven't seen you do any of that. And you seem to be quite strict on the brands that you work with and that you actually like working with. I mean, has there been any times where you've had something come through and you thought, oh, that's just not me, but I'm going to do it this time because it seems like you're quite strict with it. I have to say my management now, they go out and get me loads of stuff and testament to the girls that I work with. They will never, ever get me to do anything that I don't want to do. And they actually really respect the fact that I won't do anything because it means that they can get better things for me. And I think by me being strict on what I've done, it's enabled me to do the things like Under Armour and NFL. On 
on the flip side of that though, because my whole ethos is about balancing your lifestyle with fitness. So I'm not like you have to be super strict. You have to eat this. You have to eat that. So I think what I'm preaching allows me to do lots of different stuff. So I know other people who would be like, no way would I do Subway. And I'm like, why? I'd eat that anyway. So it's just an easy one for me. I think the closest one I've had is I did a, a probiotic. And I'm not going to lie, I got paid £1,500 to do it. And I work quite closely with a nutritionist, anything that I'm not 100% sure. And I asked her and I said, look, I've got this product come in. And she was like, it actually is good. The stomach's the center to everything. So you're not going to be too far wrong doing something as long as you don't preach benefits that it's not got. You can't go too far wrong. So yeah, you have to be careful about it. I'm not about to sell out for a, a couple hundred quid doing like CBD oils or something like that. But I think the nature of what I do, it allows me to have quite a big audience of things to promote. Especially with brands like, obviously the credibility is there because you are a head trainer at 45. You have got your online PT stuff. You do, I've seen on your website, the meal plans. I love the whole litness as well for your website, the whole lifestyle fitness together. I think that's the difference as well. Why if I see your content, I think, oh, actually like your recipes, for example, how many times my mum said to me, oh, I've seen temperatures on a recipe. Should we try it? And I was like, well, how many calories are in that? Okay, well, actually, if he's putting it out, it's not going to be something completely ridiculous, but also it's going to be nice because you understand the balance of having actually a good lifestyle with the fitness side of it. And I feel like that doesn't yeah. really happen a lot. It's either a really strict calorie deficit and you can't go over or people not caring at all. And it seems like you've got that balance. So when you do promote these bands, there is that credibility behind it. The whole reason this started the fitness side of it is because I went traveling for a year and I documented all my exercise that I did for a year. I called it 365 days a hit and I was documenting that. And the whole idea of that was I was getting quite a lot of people messaging me saying, what do you do for exercise? So I was like, well, if I just create a program that is exactly what I do, then you can see that. And then like, I'm not going to lie, the shirtless chef stuff was gimmicky and I was trying to catch people's eye with it. But the reason I've kept doing it is because I preach balancing lifestyle fitness. And if you can see me cooking my top off and I'm eating super clean and I've got a six pack, you're the product of what you're trying to preach, right? And then if I go on holiday for a couple of weeks, eating loads of junk or whatever, and you see me put on a bit of weight, it's just a realistic view to it. So that's why I try and create content daily. So it's sort of up in keeping with what I'm doing. I won't be posting photos from years ago when I was shredded. It's a realistic approach to what's going on. I guess I'm just trying to keep it as open as possible and let my lifestyle dictate what I'm doing, I guess. So when you were doing the 365 days when you were traveling and doing the different workouts, what were some of the experiences and where were you doing them? So going back to that 365 days a hit, I think that actually was the turning point in my content. I think so many people were doing the same stuff and the personal training industry everybody learns the same stuff everybody's got the same scientific knowledge behind it it's all about being personal so your online brand is all about what you can bring across and how can you make yourself a little bit more different so as i was going traveling again i'm one of these people who just always needs to be doing something going away traveling for a year obviously i was going to do loads of different excursions whatever but i needed something for accountability to keep my brain ticking over so i was like I want to stay in shape. I want to create content. I'm going to create a different workout video every single day for 365 days. I mean, I was going to Machu Picchu, Las Vegas. I'm just looking through the hashtag now. I'm in front of the Las Vegas sign. I'm doing it in a hostel in between two bunk beds, like dipping and stuff. I was just trying to prove that where there's a will, there's a way to stay in shape. And I think actually that was when I got my biggest jump in following. I mean, until the TikTok stuff now. When you look at percentages, during that year was I probably 
10 times my following. And actually that led on to how my content changed when I came back to London. So I came back from this amazing year off where I was doing loads of different workouts all over the world, really engaging content. And I was like, well, what do I do now? So I, st- I kept the content going. I started reviewing London fitness classes and just trying to keep the fitness side of stuff going. And again, until lockdown, I was working with quite a few travel companies. So that again has come a part of my content. And again, it's how I'm building my lifestyle into monetizing what I'm doing. Social media is your online CV, isn't it? And if somebody goes to look at my Instagram account, they can scroll through it and they're like, okay, cool. He's a fitness guy. He can promote our fitness brand. Oh, he travels as well. I think having everything on there, what you actually like doing as well, is how brands are actually going to reach out to you. So I think, yeah, that was a really big one for me. I've got a lot of people still following from that time, which is amazing. People must remember it as well. They'll see your face and be like, oh, that's the guy that trained in front of all these cool places. And it's quite a cool thing to be be tied to as well. That is where Litness started as well, because I remember being on a 16-hour journey in Central America, and I was thinking, there must be a way that I can do something different here. Snapchat was massive at the time, and I had a big following on Snapchat, but I was filming everything, like going out, getting pissed, like everything that I was doing. And then I'd wake up the next day and go and do a workout, and people in the hostels that we were staying at were like, what is your deal? I was with my best mate as well. They're like, we've just seen you literally paralytic on a night out, and now you're up doing a workout, and then about to run up a volcano or something and it like that was my life i just liked going out having fun but then also staying fit on the other side of it so yeah that was good content so hats off to you about that i think we had a chat when i was hung over the other day and i just yeah i wasn't in a good place <laughs> i could not be running up a volcano nothing like that at all just bed don't get me wrong there were times when i was like i definitely can't get through this workout and i was sick a few times but all in the name of content good content but i have to say when i was on the litness website as well reminded me of this socks so you've created some socks now and I have to admit these are probably the most comfortable pair of socks I've ever owned that is unreal they are by far more comfortable than the Nike white socks I have to say that good happy customer <laughs> so I sold a load of old and gifted clothes on Depop and got like 250 pounds and then I was making brownies on my TikTok channel at the time and Instagram and people were like oh it'd really be nice to try some of these brownies so I just took that 250 pounds and bought boxes ingredients all sorts of stuff I think I took 43 orders of brownies and doubled that money to 500 pounds and I was like wow that was an easy way to make probably like 380 quid or something so now when I'm skipping rent payments I'm like brownie sale (laughs) and then I took that 500 pounds and invested it into a sock business so yeah made 100 pairs of socks priced them at £10 each, bit of post and packaging, and doubled the money to £1,000. So I'm literally just working on that now. Then The next one, I'm doing resistance bands. And again, a lot of the stuff that I do, I'm not doing anything different, but it's how you add value to that. So anybody can buy resistance bands. I'm creating a PDF showing people exactly how to use the resistance bands, what different exercises, workouts they can do. Obviously, that's my time and effort that's going into that, but that's the added value they're going to get from buying resistance bands from me. So hopefully, we can double that to 2000 and then it's on to the next project. What's the end goal with it? If you've got something already in your mind, what the final one's going to be yeah I'd, I'd love to open a litmus gym and i think if i can afford a year's worth of rent and just say to somebody look there's 65 grand put it down and we'll just see what happens i think we'll either have the most fun year and it'll call it an end or it'll be the start of something new and i think for me the whole point of this it's obviously going to be fantastic having 65 grand at the end of it but for me i think a lot of people just sit around making business plans talking about what they're going to do literally I made brownies in a day, sold them, doubled that money. I've reinvested that. The the socks took a bit longer because it was over Christmas and I had to work with China. But again, it's just 
do it. Don't sit around worrying about it. Worry about taxes, finance, everything else later. Just I sketched up a pair of socks and wrote Dece on it. They had an in-house design team, came back with it. And I was like, yeah, that looks decent. Let's just, let's just roll with it. And I'm going to do the same again, same again, same again. Do everything to 51% and then you can work on it from there. We miss 100% of the shots that we don't take. Because also that was one of the big reasons you left sort of corporate. So I was looking at sort of LinkedIn and 33 months at O2 with five promotions in that sort of span because that is quite attractive from any sort of corporate thing and it obviously shows that you had quite a successful career there then realized you actually wanted the lifestyle you wanted to be able to spend time doing your own thing not just stuck on a nine to five behind a desk thinking right well I'll, this works for me and then i'll just do whatever i want to do in the weekend you kind of made that bold move which a lot of people would look up to and think wow i want to be doing stuff like that my biggest thing has come down to time. And there was a book that I read called The 4-Hour Workweek. And it's the most cliche book that anybody ever reads. But I think that was the switch that got me thinking about different things. And my two big things are I hate wasting time, but I also value time so much. So sat at a corporate job, working nine to five. Nobody works nine to five. You're either working too hard that expands outside of those hours or you feel restricted to working to that nine to five. So you fill your hours doing stuff that you don't actually need to do or you pretend to be busy. And all the time I was learning stuff. So I did a six-month internship, a two-year graduate program, off-board the graduate program, and I just kept getting promoted. But it was just enough money to keep you in. And I was thinking, oh, do I want to do this? Anyway, I was saving up to go traveling. So all the time I was learning stuff and I was saving, I was like, I've got something at the end of this. Had the most amazing year traveling. And it wasn't until I came back that I was like, this isn't for me. But I did another 18 months at O2, waking up at six, going to the gym, going to work, coming home. And I worked on that online program for the best part of 18 months. So I was working six till 10 at night and it was literally relentless, probably for four months. That was my life. And again, I think there's always going to be that point in your life where you have to work harder than ever. I just think people aren't willing to do that. They're happy to sit and moan about what they're doing and don't want to be doing, but it's putting that extra bit of effort in to get yourself to where you want to be. It kind of leads quite nicely onto the main part of why we're doing this podcast is to help people identify what their spike is. The thing that makes them unique and stand out in a crowded market. I've got a pretty good idea what your spike is. Relentlessness to keep going. I think I'm very stubborn, which in a business capacity is a good thing. But I mean, in, in general, it's not always the best thing. But I just think I've always given stuff a go. I'm not one to just go, right, let's post one TikTok, see how it goes and then give up. You need to give things time. When I look at where I am now, I'm 30. I think six or seven years ago, I started that first Instagram account. And if I'd listened to my friends back then telling me I was an idiot or other people in my life that weren't fully supportive of what I was doing, I'd be unhappy sat at a desk job. Again, it's another bad thing. I always want more. And it's quite hard to be present sometimes, but I wasn't happy just sat at my desk job. So I think having that relentlessness to give other stuff a go and see where it takes me. Fame, fortune is brilliant. But as I said, it's the time. And if I could make one sale in the morning that allows me to do whatever I want to do with the rest of my day. That's really what I'm looking for. But obviously we all want money and whatever it is. If you can build an empire that's going to allow you to do that, absolutely fantastic. But if you think about what you actually need to survive, I think going back to how I first started this, I wrote a list of everything that I love doing. And it was everything from like fitness, food, travel to going to pool parties and stuff. And I even gave like a swimwear brand a go because I was like, right, I like pool parties and summer holidays. Let's see if we can make that into a business. Right, I like food and fitness. Let's build an online PT business. And I think it's just one, trying to do everything you can, but then two, focusing on what is actually successful and what you like doing. Because I think the first year I, I was doing stuff, I spread myself way too thin and I did so much stuff nothing to 100%. It was all sort of like 20, 30%, but it was a good thing to do to 
help you understand where you want to be. But I think all of that has been down to being pretty stubborn. See, I think a lot of people looking in, they'd think, oh, I just set up an account and it's just absolutely blown up. But there's been all these opportunities that you've taken as well that has led to where you are now. And it's all about that road to success that we speak about it so much. Or what, what is your road to success? How did you get there? And there's so many key places and stuff that you've done that no one sees. And that's the thing. When you see all these people shoot up to fame overnight, you sometimes forget what's gone on in the background and not only like the things they've done, how they felt, what they've had to do to get there. And I guess I think this is a hard thing as well, because even when you see me on Instagram, my stories or something, even if I did a proper long story, you only get to see 10 minutes of the day and you're always feeling your best when you're posting your stories. And yeah, I just think so much is unseen and a lot of influencers or people who aspire to be one don't see the hard work that goes in behind it to get you where you need to be. Like I'm PTing people for free at the moment, not knowing what's going to happen at the end of it, but you've got to be willing to put that effort and time in and kind of gamble with what's going to happen. I far more value a relationship that could possibly lead on to something more, which warrants me getting up at six o'clock on a Tuesday morning to go and PT someone in the snow for an hour which is an hour away from my house. And that's what I'm doing. And they're the things that like, I don't like to shout about it because it makes you sound like, oh, look at me, this is what I'm doing. I'm very aware that I'm doing this on a podcast now, but it's things like that that people, that they're not willing to do. The warmer weather is pending. So today's workout is going to utilize a bench. It doesn't need to be a gym bench. Get yourself outside, find a park bench. We're going to go 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off of the following 10 exercises and aim for five rounds if you can. What advice would you give to someone that wants to pursue a career quite similar to yours, that wants to be able to do sort of these things full time and fitness and might be stuck in a corporate role that just wants to get out of it? Wow. So I'd say, first of all, find what is your passion. There's a good bit of work from Simon Sinek that talks about find your why, like why are you doing what you're doing? How can you improve the lives of others? So I think, first of all, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. Second of all, from a social media perspective, try and satisfy the people that are already following you. And that was one thing that was quite hard for me because people are so keen to grow their audiences really quickly. And I'm like, let me get loads more people in. But the people that you get in that aren't fully bought into what you're doing quickly leave. So it's you're far better off satisfying the people that are already following you. And then word of mouth travels pretty quick. Time is key massively. Obviously, money's a massive part of it. The biggest thing for me, actually, was instead of looking at increasing your income, was reducing your outgoing. So I had to go and live back home at the age of 27 for a year of my dad, which was probably the hardest thing out of everything. But it's things like that. Reduce your outgoings. When you start off, be willing to do stuff for free. I sparked out that first relationship with muscle foods when I had hardly any followers. And that was, for me, one way of reducing my outgoings. I didn't have to pay for food anymore. But then off the back of it, I used it as a platform to push my content on their channels and build my own audience. So I just think don't expect things to happen overnight. I think the, the biggest thing is stay true to yourself and don't listen to what other people are saying to you. So many times I've had people that are saying, why are you doing this or do it this way? And you kind of think because you've had that success, I should be listening to you, but it's also personal. Without saying any names, I had somebody with a massive follow on Instagram, millions, saying you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And I was like, no, that's why you've become so successful because you've done that, but I'm not trying to be a mini version of you because I'm never ever going to compete with that. And as soon as I started creating the content that I wanted to create, that was when I saw the real difference. I just think find your own reasons for doing it. You're going to have to motivate yourself to do it and then do everything you possibly can to get to where you want to be. But you need to be understanding that it could be detrimental to lifestyle, relationships, whatever it is. There's that period of your life where you need to be willing to work harder than ever. And it goes back to it, no passion, no point. I know you mentioned passion there. Without any passion, are you going to be motivated to do it? Are you going to be motivated to get up at 6 a.m. to be doing those kind of things? If there's no passion there, not many people will be. 
yeah, and don't get me wrong, every morning when I wake up at 5.30 to get there for six or six for seven, I'm like, oh, I do not want to do this at all. But then when I'm up and going and I'm actually PTing someone who's seeing the benefits from it, I'm seeing the benefits from it. I'm like, yes, I'm so glad I did that. So part of it is just doing things that you don't fancy doing then. And then once you get going, it, I mean, it just all starts falling into place. I remember we had it with, so I go to a networking group every Friday and I used to get up at 5am for it, be in the office for 6am and be all happy on Zoom. And I used to hate it. First couple of times, couldn't do it. But now I'm seeing the benefits of it and I see how actually important it is. Love it. And wouldn't change a thing for it. I actually think there is an element of faking it as well. Like there's so many things or events that I've gone to and I'm thinking, oh, I really don't want to be here. But then I look back to what I was doing at my nine to five job and I was thinking that all day from nine to five. So if there's only elements of your life that you're only thinking that with now and you're actually seeing positive benefit off the end of it, I'm willing to do it. But it's when you're doing stuff that you really don't want to do, there's no benefit coming off the back of it and you're not getting any happiness out of it. That's when I think you should knock it on the head. But if you're doing things that are going to lead on to other things and yeah you're going to have to do it what is the best bit of advice someone has ever given you <sighs> good question I'm not very good at listening to people. I like to do things my own way. I think entitlement is a big one for me. And I hated the guy that said it. But when we got on the graduate program, he just said, never have a full sense of entitlement. You always have to earn something. Nobody's been put on this earth and everyone's going to kiss their feet or whatever. So that's a big one for me. Entitlement. I think money's a big one for me as well. Like everybody wants to have loads of money, but it isn't always a source of happiness. And I've seen it a few times when the most fun you're having, the best things you're doing are things that money can't buy. So I think although we need it to live, it shouldn't be the be all and end all. When I was in the corporate world, I thought I was motivated by money because I was saving up to go traveling. I was always looking for that next bonus to spend on things that I wanted to buy. And now, I guess it's because I am a bit more comfortable. It's the things that money can't buy that are the most satisfying. Some of the richest people I know are the most unhappy people as well. And it's weird, especially like growing up, you wouldn't think that. And now kind of you get to a certain age when you realise that and you think, right, well, this is when our work-life balance is so, so key. And I think that's what 2020 has actually taught a lot of people, especially when they're looking for careers and jobs. They think, right, money is important, but it's nowhere near as important as it used to be. I've had so many friends say to me, like, friends who've got kids and whatever it's like I'm completely changing my working habits because I've absolutely loved being at home with the kids and misses whatever it is and yeah I think if, if there's some benefits come out of it then that's it I also do think on the flip side of that it's going to make a lot of people very lazy because they're just not going to want to go back to work now and it's a complete change As you've heard, he's given us some incredible advice on personal branding from always remembering all your followers, not just the new ones. Has this episode helped you identify your spike? If so, let us know on social media. You'll find all our channels at thespikepod.com. Please do remember, if you enjoyed the show, use the button on your favorite streaming platform to keep in touch. 